Hey guys, in this podcast I'm talking about autism sensory overload. Um, this was taken from a video I made on overloads and talking about how it actually feels like to have a, an autism sensory overload. And I thought it'd be really cool to actually put down into some kind of creative context. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Also guys, if you're new and you're listening to this podcast, I also have Instagram and Twitter. So hit me up at the Aspie World on Instagram and Twitter. And um, yeah, tweet me, um, DM me, you know, tag me and stuff. I wanna have that conversation with you guys. I actually reply to everybody. So um, yeah, really pumped to start more community. So enjoy this podcast, peace. Okay guys, so I wanna go over um, a little bit about how autism and SPD, which is sensory processing disorder, kind of overlap or come together, if you will. So sensory processing disorder, or SPD, is where somebody is overly or underly sensitive to um, a certain stimuli from sensory st input. But for now, I'm just sticking to how this actually co comorbidly exists with autism. So the sensory input um, is obviously connected to your your brain in a way where you communicate with the senses of the outside and then you decode that and then that happens to be stored in a certain way so you understand exactly what's going on. Unfortunately, um, with people with an autism spectrum condition, sometimes they have a comorbid condition or a co-occurring condition, which is SPD with an autism spectrum condition. It's all down to how the brain communicates. So autism is a communicative and socially uh, communicative issue. That's where it stems from. SPD is no exception. Sensory input is also down to communication, how your brain communicates to the outside world. So this is exactly how this co-occurs. So what is a sensory overload? So I, I wanna talk a bit about a sensory overload because a sensory overload is essentially where somebody, an autistic person, for instance, um, is going to the supermarket. Um, so an autistic person may walk into the supermarket and the lights on the ceiling are so bright that that person can't, communicate that to their, their brain in the format that a neurotypical person would. And so the autistic person finds that very overwhelming. Now that's one thing. I mean, that alone could cause some sort of distress or could cause some sort of upset. Now, in terms of an autism sensory overload, this is how I would predict it to happen from my point of view, because I've had certain issues like this where I've, I've had overloads in certain places. So you're going to the store, an autistic person walks into the store, I'll, I'll use me for instance, we go to the store, then there's, there's lights on the ceiling that are really bright, they're fluorescent lights and they're no, they're no good and they're, they're very irritating, but they're, they're kind of like, it's almost like a buzzing, right? It's a buzzing noise in, in and around your head. Then you walk past like the, the entertainment section and there's loads of like music just blasting out kind of like uh, you know rock and roll grunge music or whatever and that's really really loud or it's dance music that's really loud and so that's another buzzing noise in your head so right now you've got these two buzzing noises going on and then you walk a little down the the, the store a little bit further and then all of a sudden you hit with the smell from the deli counter which is loads of things like onions and spices and garlics and stuff like that which are really overstimulating to your senses now you've got three things buzzing going on and you're close to breaking point right now and then then the last thing is that you turn the corner and there happens to be like a busload of tourists that just pulled up and they're everywhere and they're noisy and they're rowdy and the kids are running everywhere and you just, just, it just tips you over the edge. There's too much going on. There's too many sensory stimuli feeding into your brain that you cannot categorize the way that neurotypical people can. And this is not good. And actually, in actual fact, this happens so much all the time. It happens to me Almost every time we go shopping, it happens to get to maybe one or two things that are really, really 
going insane and like oh my goodness there's like two buzzing noises going on um on really busy days in the summer it becomes so overwhelming that i just kind of want to avoid the stores we actually go at certain times so that it's a bit quieter um now in the uk specifically certain stores have autism hour where like saturday morning from nine until ten in the morning there is a um they like turn the music down and, and they make it like a bit more autism friendly which is okay but i really believe that we need to push forward in the future to make sure that it's not just like one um hour of a week that's going to be autism friendly i think we need to make it like autism friendly across the board so that is basically how a, a, you know a sensory overload occurs and what a sensory overload is but there could be a number of things it's not just those senses it could be sensitive to touch or heat or uh, or being in a certain place so there's loads of different stimuli and the stimuli is very individual to the person okay it's going to be one of the senses but at the end of the day it's still the combination that's going to cause an overload will be individual to that person's needs so how can you help um, a potential sensory overload so i'm always a big advocate for preparation so this is my thing now Look, if you're if if you're an autistic person or you know somebody who is autistic, then you are going to know you get come to get to know them what their triggers are or what your triggers are. Like for me, lights, sounds, and smells are like the worst ones. So too much noise, like I can't focus if there's any other noise going on. It needs to be completely silent for me to do certain things. Like if I'm putting a bookshelf together, then I need complete silence, and I normally do it in my boxer shorts because I get really hot and just irritated because I'm trying to do something and all my focus is going on this one thing. So I would. Um, so I would recommend that you study what your triggers are and how those triggers impact your life and then see if there are ways that you can help overcome those in certain situations that may be heightened. So for me, when I'm going to the store, I'm usually wearing sunglasses because the sunglasses help just break down that light a little bit. I mean, it doesn't get rid of it completely, but it definitely helps break it down so it's not so overwhelming. Another tip is that if I'm going to the store on my own and Naomi, my girlfriend, isn't with me, um, I actually put headphones in and I just recently um, bought uh, the Apple AirPods and, and they're really cool because like they're really small and discreet. Nobody can really see them. I do actually have noise cancellation headphones, which are linked in the description below. So if you're looking for very good noise cancelling headphones like digital noise cancelling headphones the link is in the description below they're made by bose they're amazing and i highly recommend them so it I would wear headphones, wear sunglasses, and I would avoid the aisle that has all the deli kind of smells on it, like the plague. I just like the other side of the store for me only, please, because this is too much. Now, that is one way of dealing with it. You can also prep so that if you know that somebody's going to get overwhelmed by too much going on and they can't focus so say you go to a store or you go out to like a day out and there's loads of things going on and, and they're they're looking everywhere and their attention's going everywhere and it's causing them to become really overwhelmed i would suggest taking something like you know a nintendo ds with them or like an ipad or an iPhone or some kind of smart device that you can play their favorite game app on or something that'll keep them focused. Because when they're focused on that one thing, their attention is on that one thing. So then the attention isn't going everywhere and they're not gonna get overstimulated and overloaded. Because it's all about prepping. It's always about prepping for that situation. And look, and, and the third and biggest thing in this idea of how do you overcome or how do you potentially avoid situations of overloads, let's put it this way. I know that if I went to a comic con like a really big one like the, like a san diego comic con or like london comic con and i was just plonked in the middle of all those people i'd have an instant overload too many people too much noise too much smell too many things going on right so i just don't go i just don't go to those things i just avoid the things that i know are going to cause me stress because if i avoid them 
then I've avoided the potential of having an overload. I mean, that's just basic principles of just avoiding something that you know may be distressing. So what do you do if you, uh, you know, with somebody during an, an autism sensory overload, or if you're a person uh, who is taking care of somebody who has an autism sensory overload. So this is what I would advise. I would advise that you need to give the person space, that you have to try and dampen those senses as much as possible, like get rid of that music, you know, move them to a quieter space, um, maybe like turn the lights off, try and shade the light from them, like try and get them outside, you know, so away from the area that's causing this complete utter sensory overload. And then when they've calmed down, then you can kind of um, uh, talk to them, you know, make sure they're okay and stuff like that. So when it actually happens, when you, when it's that imminent moment where it's like, oh my goodness, this person's having a really difficult time right now on their, their sensory overload and it's getting close to a meltdown because this could be really big and it could be a really big catastrophe if it gets to a meltdown level. You need to kind of get rid of the sensory stimuli that's happening. So moving away from noise, moving away from smells, moving away from sounds, getting outside, you know, away from that light, get, get it just really nice, relaxed, more calm and more um, just calmer, really more, more relaxed. Like the situation needs to be more calm and relaxed. Now that is is what you should do if you're trying to deal with somebody who's having an autism sensory overload. Now, what to do afterwards, this is key as well. Once they've, you know, calmed down and you've got rid of all that kind of crazy sensory stimuli that's causing them to go, um, you know, up and down and overload and st stimulated, then you can then say to them, okay, right, we'll go somewhere where we know which is calm. So maybe that you have a sensory uh, room or you have sensory toys or fidget spinners, or look, maybe you like gadgets and you like going to Best Buy or PC World to look at the, the gadgets and gizmos and the computers and stuff in there. And that's cool because what you want to do is take that person away from something that was like the the worst position for them to be in to put them into the most like comfortable position for them to be in. So if you know if they love playing Rocket League or Minecraft or Pokemon or whatever, then get them in front of that game as quickly as possible so that they can like recharge on the things that they really enjoy. Uh, you know, for me, I love like watching movies on uh, UFOs and stuff like that and researching um, like algorithmic changes and things in Google. So I'd just sit down at a computer and start reading those things and I'd love it. And so that would calm me right down and get me back to kind of like, you know, a neutral level. So this is the, the big one. You have to make sure that you take them out of the negative situation into the positive situation. And this will help overcome all those, um, you know, the sticky issues where it would stick for a while and they'd be upset for a while. But again, you know, you can use sensory um, stimuli for autistic people in a positive way. There are a bunch of sensory toys that you can buy. There's actually a link in the description below, actually, where you can get some uh, money off. I think it's like 15 or 20% off sensory toys if you're interested in them. But I have a bunch of them. I have like slinkies. I have like, um, like those elastic band kind of balls. I have fidget spinners, fidget cubes, and all these things are cool. One of my favorite ones is a clicks, um, which is just super awesome. And these are great. These are sensory stimulating toys that are going to encourage certain things through sensory. So you may have um, sensory rooms where you, you've heard before, you have sensory play or sensory um, therapy where there'll be a room set up with certain things like bubble lights and like certain uh, like foam textured walls and stuff like that. All this stuff is really cool because it's how the person, the autistic person, digest that information. It can be done in a really good positive way, you know, rather than being like a concert where the music's blaring, it's hot, there's lots of people everywhere and it's of like gross like alcohol or beer or whatever 
then they could be in a room where they have really cool like um you know bubble lamps and lava lamps uh, bubble machines the like foam bricks on the wall stuff that they can like actually touch and and really feel calm with like fiber optic lamps and stuff like that i love all that stuff and i actually have a a um lava lamp here in my room and i and i really enjoy just watching it because it's really calming it's really soothing and at the very least try and um maybe install a fish tank with some lighting because fish is super sensory pleasing to watch fish just like uh, moving about and the bubbles in the tank and the lights in the water it's super cool